This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. What's up, everybody? This is Bobby Bailey here coming to you guys with another episode of the Coochie's Corner Podcast. This is Season 4, Episode number, well, it should be number th- 6 or whatever. It should be a lot more than just, uh, I think this is Episode 3, technically. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over the Bushlight Clash. We will talk about the Daytona 500, and we will also recap this past weekend's race at uh, Auto Club Speedway. Or Fontana, you want to call it California Speedway, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, it's the final time that we're going to race on the two-mile oval. So we'll talk about that. We will talk about silly season a little bit. Um, some driver extensions already happened, um, like Daniel Suarez, Alex Bowman, and Ross Chastain all already have re-signed on multi-year contract extensions with the teams that they're currently at. So we have that. And uh, we'll see what else we get into. So um, hope you guys stick around for another exciting episode here of the Crew Cheese Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. All right, guys. Back here on the Crew Cheese Corner Podcast, coming to you guys with uh, Season 4, Episode Number 3. Um, I guess this is going to be like the early season recap. We're going to start with the Bushlight Clash. We'll kind of go through that. We will get to uh, the Daytona 500, and we'll talk about Auto Club Speedway. Um, and, and like I mentioned there in that quick little intro, um, we had some drivers that re-signed multi-year deals. So I want to start with kind of like the news part of it first, and then we'll do the race recaps next. Um, so Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain both have re-signed with Trackhouse. Um, multi-year contract extensions, the whole nine yards. Um, I think this is, you know, really this team was kind of the big question mark. What was going to happen with Justin Marks? What was going to happen with Trackhouse? Um, you know, we had heard over the years um, that Daniel Suarez has been there, that that's kind of like that's their guy. Um, and then when Justin Marks kind of shocked the world and bought out Chip Ganassi and, and kind of took, you know, on Ross Chastain, it seemed like Ross became their guy, too. And I, it's kind of funny because I remember back a couple of uh, years ago when when this whole, you know, when Justin bought out uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. And, and I know it kind of happened 2021 offseason going into last, this past season. Um, you know, there was a lot of question marks about it. There was a lot of, is this really going to work? You know, is Ross Chastain that premier driver? I mean, I know um, there's been a lot of chatter about guys that, get that little bit extra out of the car, the guys that know how these cars are set up and what the car should feel like, you know, and you look at, at a team like Joe Gibbs racing. Right. And I, and I said, I think Gibbs is going to struggle a lot this year because, you know, you look back a couple years ago, they used to have three really talented race car drivers over there at Gibbs that were really good at what they did. At one time they had Kyle Busch, Matt Kenseth and Denny Hamlin, all that team. And, and those are three, I think, a caliper plus drivers that make an organization better, right? Um, and and I think that when you know Matt left, retired, whatever you want to call it, got pushed out, 
um, whatever you know you want to use, um, they lost a little bit of their edge, right? And then Kyle now is leaving, you know, has left and gone to RCR, and we'll get to Kyle, um, you know, later on when we talk about our, our auto club recap. Um, you know, you lost another driver who really knows how to get the most out of that car. So now at JGR, all the pressure is on Danny Hamlin. Like, is Danny Hamlin that type A driver, that A plus caliber driver that's going to make that organization as a whole better? Or is he just a really good race car driver that has kind of lucked out with having Kyle Busch as a teammate, Matt Kenseth as a teammate, um, you know, Tony Stewart, you know, he's always had those a type drivers behind him. And is he really just a B driver that now has to perform as an a driver, but he's not really at that caliber. Um, so I think that that was kind of like my reason why I thought Gibbs was going to struggle. And then you look at track house, the big chatter was, is Ross Chastain that level of driver? And for some people, some people said that I don't think Ross Chastain is, is of that same, you know, type. But then we saw Ross Chastain this past season. He goes out, picks up his first career win at Coda. Then he wins at Talladega. Um, you have the Hale Mellon at the end of the season at Martinsville, which propelled him into the championship for a move that has now been outlawed by NASCAR. But you look at Ross Chastain and I think Ross is going to be that type A type driver. And I think that, you know, it was a very smart move on Justin Marks's part to lock up not only Suarez, but to lock up Chastain for the next couple of years. Because I think, me personally, I think that if Chastain was on the market for next year, I think Stuart Haas is looking at him. I would even go so far to say that I don't even know if Bowman would have had an extension had it not been for Chastain resigning with with track with track house. Cause I think Chastain is that kind of driver that, you know, he might be, you know, he, in my opinion, he's a better driver than Bowman. And if Hendrick wants to be a world beating organization, I think that, you know, signing Chastain makes them stronger. It doesn't, it doesn't make them weaker. Um, but I think Ross Chastain is definitely a, 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 a type a type driver. And he's going to be that kind of guy for a long time. And I think he's going to win races this year. And I think Chastain's going to be in the mix for this title again. I, I just, I can see it, you know, it's just, it's something about his, the, the way he carries himself. Um, he's always outperformed every piece of equipment he's been in. You know, when he was driving for Johnny Davis motorsports, he was getting finishes that we haven't seen out of other drivers that have stepped into that same type of equipment. Um, you know, he goes out and, and runs really well in a, in a Chip Ganassi racing Xfinity car. That was, you know, I don't want to say it was to be expected, but it should have been expected given the talent that he is, right? He goes to colleague. Um, you know, he does get an Xfinity win there, but he, he didn't have the season that everybody thought he was going to have because of where colleague was. I think if Chastain waited a year, or ran another year at Colleague and Xfinity, I think we would have seen the the Ross Chastain coming out party. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just think Chastain was pushing so hard that year he had at Colleague to try to be so much better. And then he got the opportunity to go cup racing with CGR to replace Matt Kenseth, who was filling in for Kyle Larson. And, you know, we saw kind of some glimmers, you know, and I thought that Chastain getting in the 42 – you know, it was kind of an up and down year for Ross. It was not a, a great year for him, but he came out and, and he, he solidified himself as a cup driver and he belonged at the cup series. 
and you could see he was starting to get better as the year went on. And then really last year, you could see that, you know, the momentum they gained at the end of 2021 really carried into 2022. For the most part, the team that he had at CGR stayed intact when he made that transition over to track house. And that's really, I think, what has set Ross up. Ross has had the same team now three years in a row. And I think that this is going to be a really, I think the level is going to get stepped up by Ross Chastain this season. And I expect him to be in the winner's circle on, on the sooner side. I mean, he had a great run at, at auto club, you know, he won a stage and he was up in the mix late in that race, you know, that ended up being won by Kyle Bush. But, you know, I think Ross Chastain is going to be a guy you're going to have to to go through this year in order to win this title. And I think that, you know, we, we have only scratched a surface of his true talent and uh, we'll see what's going to, what's going to transpire. I mean, there's a lot of things about Ross that are in the news um, sponsorship wise. It sounds like Anheuser-Busch might be taking a look at him as they look to continue their sponsorship in NASCAR. Once Kevin Harvick uh, does retire at season's end, it sounds like, you know, he's a driver that they're looking at. So if you're Ross Chastain, that's great news because, you know, more sponsorship is, is always better, right? You know, they have a great sponsor right now with Worldwide Express. They have some sponsorship from Kubota, from, you know, the Moose uh, Fraternity. They have some other sponsors in there as well. But, you know, you can bring a company like an Anheuser-Busch into the fold if you're Justin Marks and and maybe move that Worldwide Express sponsorship over to maybe more Daniel Suarez to cover some of those races where you have Tootsies on the car. Uh, because I don't know exactly how that deal works. I don't know, you know, because Kid Rock owns it. Does Kid pay, you know, them money? Or is it something that, you know, Trackhouse has a piece of? I, I don't really know how that all works. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sure that, you know, uh, Worldwide Express would love to stay with Trackhouse. And, you know, maybe they do add a third car next year, you know, and they, they put another driver in. And, um, you know, because if, you know, Worldwide Express wants to do 20 races a season uh, or 22 races a year and you only have sponsorship space on a car for so many races maybe you go and say hey listen let's let's bring in Carson Hosevar I know that's kind of a wild thing to say right now but you bring in a Carson Hosevar who they have experience with in the truck series with Nice Motorsports you bring him in put him in a cup car right um you have a third car you probably would be able to buy a third charter at that point and you know you're building the brand so I think there's a lot of things in motion um, and we'll see what happens with that. But I just think that, you know, and I was just spitballing there. I don't know that that's what, what track house is trying to do at a third car, but it would make a lot of sense if they try to get, uh, or if they end up getting Anheuser-Busch to sponsor Ross Chastain next year, I think, you know, they're doing a lot of races right now at Harvick. I mean, I could see them kind of keeping the same amount of races and they just kind of, like I said, shuffle some sponsorship around and, and maybe end up with a third car over there because, you know, you don't want to lose that sponsor in worldwide express. And, and if, like I said, if you can give them Hosevar, who is someone they've worked with, I think that that's an amicable move, and it's a smart, logical move to make. Um, I think it would be an, a, a wise decision. So we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, just, that was just me spitballing there. I don't know that for sure. Um, Suarez, like, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Daniel's a, a has a talent. He deserves to be in this series. He's... You know, I know he only has one cup win, but he's a he's an Xfinity champion. He has won multiple Xfinity races. He brings a different flavor to the table as far as, you know, uh, he reaches to a to a demographic that NASCAR is trying to appeal to. 
you know, um, the Spanish speaking Americans in this country and, and even the folks that live in Mexico um, and other Spanish speaking countries across the world. I think Suarez is, is a is a I don't want to say a generational talent, but I think he's a guy that makes that team, um, you know, a little bit more than just you know, one dimensional with, you know, you have Ross Chastain, who's just pure talent. I mean, you know, Suarez is talented, but Suarez also connects, you know, to a, to a, to a culture and to a community that, you know, hasn't really been involved in NASCAR that much. Um, you know, yeah. Juan Pablo Montoya a little bit. Uh, but I think that Daniel Suarez is, is appealing to that, to that diversity in this country. And I think that, you know, Suarez on that team is, is, is well liked. He's, you know, I think Justin Marks loves the guy, you know, um, you know, very much. I think he thinks he's, he, you know, the world of him. And I think it's just, it's a great partnership. I think, you know, Suarez had some sponsorship behind him, you know, uh, in the past with Comscop, uh, scope. And I know they're a little bit involved with him now. Uh, Coca-Cola for sure has been involved with Suarez's career for a while. Um, but you know, he's, he's bringing other sponsors to the table too. So, I think Suarez is 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 pretty gonna is gonna be safe for the next several seasons. I think he does get another win this year. <coughs> um, excuse me. Um, and I think he's gonna be you know a guy in the mix for the playoffs. Again, I don't think he's a a guy that you're gonna say, hey, Daniel Suarez is in your final four this year. No, absolutely not. But I do think he's gonna be competitive. I mean that those cars are really good. Um, that's a pretty good program over there. That 99 car seems to be heading in an upward trajectory. And as long as Daniel Suarez can keep his, his wits about him this year, I think he's going to win a, a race or two, um, you know, and, and that's, that's fine. I mean, that's more than what some of the guys in this field are going to do this year. So um, big for that. And then, you, you know, the, the Bowman thing, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people are kind of up and down on Bowman. I mean, Bowman has eight career wins in the cup series. Um, I mean, it's eight more wins than I have, <laughs> you know, uh, so, I mean, I can't knock the, the guy too much for that, but, you know, he's been able to keep ally at Hendrick, um, you know, and they're, they got at least a three-year deal, possibly longer. I mean, ally signed on for five. Um, so it sounds like, you know, as long as Bowman doesn't screw something up here pretty big, it sounds like Bowman's going to be back with Hendrick for five more years, um, which I think is absolutely huge. I think it's, it's the longest stretch that Alex has had something solid in his career. And it gives him something that, you know, he knows he has that safety of knowing that he has the next couple of years that he's going to run with Hendrick Motorsports and has a chance to win races and, and compete for playoff spots. Again, Bowman's Bowman is a driver that if you asked me five years ago, uh, Alex Bowman's going to replace uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. at Hendrick Motorsports, and he's going to end up. Then they're going to end up, you know, making him the heir apparent to the forty-eight. I'd say you're you're nuts. It's never going to happen. But I think he was in the right spot at the right time. I think things fell kind of the right way for him. I mean, if you think about it, he had a a pretty bad experience at Tommy Baldwin Racing. Then um, you know that that situation kind of fell apart. Then he got in with BK Racing, and that didn't go much better. Um, and then junior picks him up off the street, basically to go run Xfinity for junior motorsports and turn some heads in those starts. And then Dale jr. Has a concussion and has to miss some races. And they end up throwing Bowman in the car because of his association with junior motorsports. So, 
you know, Bowman's had a lot of things go his way, but you know, he's earned those eight wins on his own. Those were not wins that were handed to him because he was driving Dale Jr.'s car or something like that. Like he earned those wins and he's, he's a solid little race car driver. He's kind of sneaky. He kind of flies under the radar. He's not a guy that's going to surprise you on the racetrack. He's not a guy that's going to go blow your doors off. Um, there's been a lot of right place, right time situations as far as his wins go. But um, sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good in certain situations. And Bowman's been that, um, you know, last year he did get a win at Las Vegas. So it's been a year since he's won a cup race, but I think Bowman will, will prove to people this year that, that he's able to win. He's not a hack. And um, I think you're going to see maybe a win or two out of, out of, out of Bowman this year. I think that's, kind of like what you're going to see out of him. He's a consistent performer in that regard. And, you know, the rest of the time he's, he's going to run, he's either going to run top 10 or he's going to run 35th. You know, um, I just think that's the kind of guy he is. He's, he's, he's a performer, um, you know, as far as winning, but he's not a, a guy that's going to go out there and run top five every single week. You know, he's just that, that's not Bowman's, uh, you know, repertoire when it comes to that, you know, he's just not that kind of a driver. So, um, but you know, solid extension. I think Ally is is committed to uh, Bowman and committed to Hendrick, and um, I know there's a lot of B to B with that too. You know, and that's the thing I think a lot of people forget is that you know Ally's with Hendrick because you know they do a lot of business together. You know, I mean Hendrick Motorsports um, obviously is is just a, a small piece of what Rick Hendrick does. He has the you know his Hendrick Automotive Group, which is huge. It's one of the largest. Um, you know, groups in the, in the country, as far as automotive sales and things like that. So, uh, but he does a lot of business with them. He, he uses them for all kinds of different things across his dealerships. And, uh, you know, sometimes the B2B is why a, a company will stay with a team versus going to another team and another organization. So, um, there's a lot to that. And I think that that's why Ally continues to stick with Bowman and continues to stick with Hendrick Motorsports is because of the business to business side of things, not necessarily because of the on track performance. Although Alex has won, I think five races, five or six races with, uh, Ally as his sponsor. But, um, I think it goes a little bit deeper than that too. So, um, it's kind of cool that, um, you know, there, there is that other side of it too. Um, so that's really it for, as far as driver extensions and stuff like that. Um, you know, I mean, we had a little bit of driver news this morning. Todd Gillen's going to um, run the third uh, th- uh, front row motorsports car at Talladega. Um, Carl Rudebush is going to sponsor the car. Um, he's going to use one of his companies to sponsor that car, whether it's uh, N29 Capital or whether or not it's Rudebush uh, Development and Construction. But someone's going to have, um, you know, he's going to have the sponsorship on that car for Todd. Um, for one of, you know, for that race and they just haven't, announced. they haven't, I think Carl hasn't decided which company he's going to put on there. He might, he might put N29 on it for all we know, but, um, that came out today. So that solidifies Todd Gillen's season. He'll run full time in 2023. He'll split a season. Uh, he's going to run 30 races. Um, in the 38, he's going to run the one race in the, um, 36 and then he's going to run the other five for rick 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 rare racing got my tongue twice uh tied there twice wow (laughs) tongue tied there for a second um it's been a while since i've done a podcast obviously you can tell it's been three weeks (laughs) um 
but yeah, um, he's going to run for Rick and, uh, they're going to run the 15 car for five events. I haven't heard anything about sponsorship on that yet, but I'm sure they're working their way through it. So we'll see what happens there as well. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a little quick break here on the crew Chiefs corner podcast. On the other side, we will break down the Bushlight clash and we will also go over the 2023 Daytona 500. You're listening to the Crew Cheese Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Hey guys, it's Bobby here for Crew Cheese Corner. I have a great deal I want to talk to you guys about. So you guys know I'm into NASCAR diecast. I collect it with a great passion. It's probably my biggest hobby that I have is collecting different drivers' diecasts. And one of those great sites I go to and visit all the time is CircleBDieCast.com. It is where I get all the latest diecasts. They have all kinds of different drivers. So if you're into Kyle Larson, you're a Chase Elliott fan, William Byron, Alex Bowman, um, you name it, they have it. They also have great apparel. So you can get your t-shirts there. You can get hats there. They even have novelty items. So you could get like a bumper sticker, keychains. You name it, CircleBDieCast.com has it. And what's great for you as a Crew Chiefs Corner podcast listener, if you use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner, it's all one word, no apostrophe in the S, Crew Chiefs Corner will get you five bucks off any U.S. order over $30. That's a great deal. Even today in this crazy period with prices going up, we will still get you $5 off your shipping order from Circle B Diecast on any order in the continental U.S. that is over $30. So remember, use my promo code Crew Corner. That way there, Brent and LaDonna know I sent you there, and you guys can get all the latest and greatest diecasts that you are looking for. Again, you can even get your favorite driver's diecast. You can get last week's race-winning diecast. It's all there at CircleBDiecast.com. And I want to thank them for all their support of the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast. Thanks, guys. And check out CircleBDiecast.com. Check out TheCrewChief.net for all the latest NASCAR news, driver points, owner points, uh, race results, race schedules, paint schemes, and, all, of course, all the latest news and information. That's Once again, that's TheCrewChief.net. Your portal to the world of NASCAR silly season news and racing statistics. All right, guys, we are back here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. We are now going to go over the Bushlight Clash, and we will also go over the Daytona 500 race recaps. Not going to go too much into the Bushlight Clash. I mean, you know, this is the second year we've run the Coliseum. I, I think NASCAR is... I think it would be prudent if NASCAR moved this event from this track. I know, I know they're trying to, to to expand their horizons as far as you know Southern California, um, you know, in in the LA market, it's probably the best venue that they could get as far as you know for the LA market. Um, say what you want about it. it, it's listen, it's an event. It's not. It's not something that you're going to sit there and say is a great, you know, the on-track product's good. Um, it was it was very demolition derby-ish this year compared to years past, uh, compared to the year before, I should say. Um, 
but it is what it is. I mean, you put a quarter mile track out there, you put 27 cars on it, you're going to get a demolition derby. And I think that that's maybe not the style of racing that NASCAR is looking for there, but I think NASCAR is also in a box. Um, you know, you're trying to bring, you know, a, a track, um, you know, to the LA market, um, and you want to go race downtown LA, well, you don't really have many options. And I think the Coliseum was their, is their best option. Um, the one thing I didn't particularly care for um, was really some of the pre-race entertainment. I mean, I'm not a big Cypress Hill fan. I mean, I, I just hearing that song insane in the membrane all the time was kind of annoying. Um, I'm just not a Cypress Hill fan. Um, I had no problem with Khalifa, you know, for the halftime break. Um, I know a lot of fans hated the fact that NASCAR stopped for halftime and did a, you know, had this concert breakout with Wiz Khalifa. Um, but I think this is the problem. I think the traditional NASCAR fan does not like rap music, right? The, the, and when I mean traditional, I mean the, the classic old school NASCAR fan that you and I are thinking of does not like rap music. So there are some people that turned it off because they, you know, the NASCAR they love plays country music at every other show uh, at every other race and doesn't play rap music. So being that they're in LA, which is a big hip hop rap area uh, and you got to play to the area that you're in. um, Of course, they're going to bring out a rap artist to perform or a hip hop artist or a R and B artist to perform out on the West coast and especially, you know, West coast rap was, is still huge, um, out there. It's a, it's a, it's more than just, you know, what the NASCAR fans are looking for. They, they have to perform to the crowd that is also there at the racetrack. And therein lies another thing, you know, people are sitting there saying, Oh, there's nobody there. You know, why do they run this? They're running this because of TV. This is not, for those of you that that don't realize how the world works when it comes to NASCAR is the TV partners have a big piece of the pie, a lot bigger than they used to. You know, I remember back in the nineties where, you know, TBS, you'd have TNT, um, you'd have, um, you know, TNN, actually not really TNT, but you had TNN, you'd have, um, you know, ESPN, CBS, those are really your 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 four or five different broadcasters you would have in the course of the season. You know, like TBS always had the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, CBS would have the Daytona 500, you know, and the Pepsi 400 and stuff like that. There were certain events that you knew what channel you had to go to. You know, like the Bristol, Tennessee, you know, races were usually on ESPN. Um, you know, you knew where to go. And TBS, like I said, would have certain races like the Coca-Cola 600 or you know, this race or that race, it really, it really was different back in the nineties. And and nowadays, because a Fox is paying a billion or $2 billion a year to put on the NASCAR races, right? They, they say, listen, we want to, we want to run in the LA market because that's NASCAR's, you know, you know, that's, that's the number one TV market in the U S right now is LA and everybody wants to be there. So NASCAR has to, you know, they are like, well, our hands are tied. We want to go out there. It's our biggest market as far as TV goes. And we're going to go out there and run um, this race. And we're going to put this on. We're going to spend all this money on paving the track and converting it from a football field to a racetrack and then t- tearing up the racetrack and converting it back to a football field. 
and that's costing them millions of dollars. Well, it costs them a lot of money in, in, in marketing and promoting the race too. So I get why NASCAR is out there. I get, I understand why they're doing it. It's, it's to appease Fox and, and the television partners as much as it is to, you know, bring more fans to the sport. Um, and I think what people got to realize is the Bush Lake clash is more than just a, another event on the schedule. This is a preseason deal. It's before the Daytona 500. It's before the Super Bowl. Now this event needs to have entertaining to it. It needs to kind of be a little bit different um, in the sense of it needs to be a little bit of an entertaining thing than more than just another race. Right. Um, I have no problem if NASCAR takes this on the road next year and decides, Hey, instead of doing LA, we're going to go do, you know, we're going to do the same idea, but we're going to go to Miami and we're going to run, you know, you know, F1 runs on the, on the road course. Well, we're going to go to hard rock stadium and we're going to play inside hard rock stadium, you know, in Miami and, and go there and do that, you know, instead, um, that could be an idea. I, I personally would like them to go run Homestead Miami as the, as the uh, Bushlight Clash. I think that would be a kind of a cool idea. Go run the Homestead Miami Speedway. You have Miami down the road. Um, you can kind of then bring back a, a newer, modern version of Speed Weeks. You know, then you can roll that into New Smyrna. You can roll that into Daytona. You can then have a Daytona uh, 500 practice for qualifying. You could do a lot of things if NASCAR went back to this kind of a format of the Bush Lake Clash, goes down and you run run Homestead Miami. Because I think if you poll most drivers, what's your favorite track to run on? They would probably, a lot of them would say Homestead Miami. I think it would be a perfect thing. I think it puts NASCAR right where they should be, which is Southern you know, Southern Florida in February, I think is a great place to be. The Super Bowl goes to Tampa every, you know, so many years. Anyhow, I think that would be a success. I don't think the answer is take this to like New York City in the middle of February where it's like 20 degrees below zero. But I think it's if you go to Miami, you're still in a, a young, hip environment. You're still can bring some of the culture from Miami into that facility and kind of make it a show. And I think people would go to it. Yes, you're not downtown, but you know the thing I think NASCAR is missing the boat on is that your NASCAR fan does not live in a city, right? Your traditional NASCAR fan does not live in a city, and I think that's the problem that NASCAR is having is they're trying, like they're doing this whole thing with Chicago with the street course, which I think is a good idea. It's just the wrong place and the wrong. I think it's the wrong city to do it. I think it's the wrong place to do it. I think what NASCAR should do, if you're going to do a, if you're going to do this, they should have done this at the Long Beach street course. And that should, should be where they do it so that you can still tap into your LA market. Um, and that's, and that's what you want to do um, for a couple of years while they're rebuilding auto club. I think that would be a smart idea. But you're going to go run Chicago, which I think is a terrible idea on 4th of July weekend with all the problems that Chicago has. And I'm not trying to make this political, but you're trying to make you're you're trying to get people to go to this and spend 269, 270 bucks on tickets for the weekend. 
to go see this and you don't, you know, he, I mean, we assume that the event's going to be safe and secure. We hope it is. We pray that it is, but you don't know. And you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be rough and we got to do this for the next three years because we signed a contract. Yay. NASCAR. I just, you know, I think it's the wrong place, but I do think that if we get the Bush Lake clash to, to Homestead Miami and bring back the true speed weeks that most of us remember, I think that would be a home run with this fan base much more than trying to go out to LA one more year, try to, you know, or in the next two years, try to make this a point race. No, 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 no. Don't do any of that stupidity. Just, just let us run the race out. Like I said, Homestead Miami, going to a true speed weeks. And then if you want to move the auto club date to, to Long Beach and, and can that stupid idea out in Chicago, I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with that. Not whatever the hell NASCAR is trying to do with Chicago. I think it's stupid. I think if you want to tear Chicago land up and make it a short track and run the clash out there, do it. But it's going to be 20 degrees in the middle of February. No one's going to want to go. So I think NASCAR's just gotta kind of kind of get their bearings a little bit straight, but I do think that the that most of the fans um, in the sport, you know, are trying to nitpick things. I like I said, I don't mind that we're out in LA. I don't mind the Coliseum. I don't mind the race. I didn't mind the entertainment. I'm just not a Cypress Hill fan. Um, never heard of them really before this, so um, I just I wasn't a big fan of their performance. But it is what it is. Um, you know, but I, I, I liked Wiz Khalifa. I thought he did a good job. Uh, you know, he's he's got more hits than I remember. Um, so that was always interesting to, to, to find out. And I'll say this. I'd much rather have listened to Wiz Khalifa than I did Rihanna during the Super Bowl. Okay. So I'll just go on record and say that. So um, I'd much rather that than what we had in the Super Bowl. But it is what it is. You know, what are you going to do? As far as the on-track product, like I said, it was Demolition Derby. Um, a lot of guys pissed off at each other for no reason. Um, Martin Truex Jr. comes out and wins. I will say this. I don't mind the podium deal. I just, I get why they did the, the medals. Just don't do the medals every week. You know, did the medals cause it was LA cause it, you know, it was an OT Olympics, which were there and are going to come back, you know, down the road and stuff. Fine. I don't have an issue with that. Just don't do the medals every week. You know, if you want to come up with a second and third place trophy each week and do a podium and, and put it on the front stretch for the fans, I know that, um, you know, the guys on DBC said that I'm OK with that. I don't, I don't struggle with that. I think that's a good idea. Honestly, I think that's what NASCAR should do. Um, it's it's what they do in a lot of other series. I don't struggle with that. Um, you know, and, and, and like I said, you know, Truex gets to win. Kyle Busch and uh, Austin Dillon had good runs for RCR. So it was a pretty good overall night for them. Um, then you get to Daytona. I mean, I could spend 50 minutes talking about Daytona, but we're not. Um, I think the big thing you got to remember when it comes to the Daytona 500 is there's a lot on the line. It's There's so much on the line for for the teams, for the drivers, for the sponsors, for, for the pit crews, for everybody. It, it is our Super Bowl, and it's at the beginning of the season. It's kind of wild that it, it that it goes like that, but that's how it is. Um, I think when you look at the overall race, some people are going to say it was not 
the most exciting Daytona 500, but I contradict that with there was a lot of passing. There was a lot of lead changes. There was a lot of things like that going on. Um, there were some strategy plays by by the manufacturers, by the individual race teams. There was a lot going on during the Daytona 500. Um, and, and, you know, towards the end, it got a little bit of a more of a wreck fest than anything else. But a big kudos to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I mean, a huge win for him. His third career Cup Series win. All of them on a super speedway. It's a second win at Daytona. Um, you know, obviously he won the July race there in 2017. And then he won earlier in 2017 at Talladega in the spring of that season. So uh, kudos to Ricky. I mean, I know Ricky gets a lot of flack for being Ricky Spinhouse or whatever you want to call him. Uh, but a big win for those guys. Big win for for Jody and Tad Glischlichter uh, and the uh, and Brad Doherty, obviously, is the first African-American uh, team owner to win the Daytona 500, beating out Michael Jordan, who was obviously hoping to get that first, I'm sure. But um, a big win there for for those guys. And um, if you haven't listened to, to Denny Hamlin and Actions Detrimental, which is his new podcast that's out uh, pretty much wherever you can get a podcast, um, he estimated that's about a $3 million win that, um, that, that Ricky got for his race team. You know, between the charter money, knowing that you're going to finish no worse than 16th, as long as there's only 16, there's no more than 16 winners this season. Um, you know, they would they would get about $600,000 more on the charter, and then they would get more money each week because of that. Uh, so he, so Danny figured it's about a $3 million win and a $3 million swing for JTG, which it's a small organization. I mean, they have 65 employees, I think. Um, and they run on a budget that's comfortable for a one car team, but it was uncomfortable with two cars. Um, so that's why they scaled back Kroger, a big supporter of theirs for, uh, a number of years. I mean, obviously the other guy that's won for them is AJ Allmendinger. Um, so, so a big second cup win for those, for that organization. And, a like I said, you couldn't pick a bigger one to win than the Daytona 500, but you know, kudos to Ricky. He's a super nice guy down to earth. Um, just just a really great guy and, and somebody that I think most of the, the drivers in the garage area respect and uh, look up to in some ways because of his uh, his tenacity. I mean, here's a kid that I remember when Ricky came in. I mean, he came into Roush Fenway, uh, highly touted, um, was a, a sprint car, dirt car type talent, uh, drove for Tony Stewart a little bit, I think in USAC Midgets, um, was a Chevrolet product originally. Then Ford picked him up and put him at Roush. He wrecked a bunch of cars. He got actually taken out of the six car at one point and was replaced. Um, I know they put like Brian Eichler in that car for a little bit. Um, they put in Matt Kenseth, Greg Biffle, some other drivers to try to teach Ricky how to race the car. And it was like kind of like all of a sudden after that, Ricky started winning races. He won those two uh, what's now Xfinity Series championships. And then he has now three NASCAR Cup Series wins. And the biggest one of his career is certainly the Daytona 500, which he gets with crew chief Mike Kelly. Yes, the same Mike Kelly that he won those two Nationwide Series championships with at Roush Fenway as well. So big win for Stenhouse, obviously career-defining. I mean, once you win the Daytona 500, you're always going to be known as the Daytona 500 champion the rest of your life. So obviously um, a, a big accolade on the resume for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, but like I said, just an all-around good guy. So big win there.
Uh, the other thing we're going to do real quick is we're just going to go over Auto Club. We may as well. I mean, I don't really have a lot of analysis for Auto Club because they didn't really watch the race, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, a big win for for Kyle Busch, um, a huge shot in the arm for Richard Childress Racing. I mean, I, I said this when Kyle signed there. I, I figured Kyle was going to be good. I figured Kyle was going to win a race um, and surprise some people. I didn't think it was going to be this early. Um, I thought maybe first half of the season he'd get a win. Certainly not uh, two races in. You know, Kyle is certainly with a good team. Randall Burnett is one hell of a crew chief. Obviously winning those races with Tyler Reddick last year. Um, so just a big overall win for RCR. And a, and a kudos to them. It, it, it's just, it it proves to me that Kyle Busch is one of those once-in-a-generation talents that unfortunately has to race up against the likes of a Jimmy Johnson, a Jeff Gordon, a... Um, you know, those guys that won so many titles, but Kyle Busch is a type of driver that can still win in those races, still win championships with those guys on the racetrack competing against them and can still get the job done. 61 career wins, a huge mark for that, uh, for him on his career. And the first of what I think will be many wins at RCR, whether or not this year, but in the years to come as well, Kyle Busch, big win, big win for Lucas oil, obviously as well. Um, we didn't really talk a lot about the Xfinity side of things at Daytona, but obviously, um, you know, Daytona, it is what it is. You know, you go to Daytona, uh, Austin Hill picks up the win at Daytona two years in a row for him there. Cole Custer looked like he was going to pick up his second or actually that would have been his third back to uh, third win in a row at Auto Club with uh, Stuart Haas racing. But obviously that didn't happen um, and a big win for um the 20 team of John Hunter Nemechek. So big win for him again, second race, second race as, as a full-time JGR Xfinity driver and a big win for John Hunter Nemechek. So th those guys off to a good start, both Austin Hill and John Hunter Nemechek as well. And obviously Zane Smith won the rain shortened truck race at Daytona as well. So big, big couple of weeks. Um, you know, I guess the thing to wrap it up is really how, how we all feel. Uh, Auto Club Speedway obviously is, is going to go through a transformation in the next couple of years. Uh, 423 acres were sold off for $544 million. Uh, it's a big payday for NASCAR. I mean, it's great that they're going to be able to pay down some of the debt that they assumed when they took, when they bought out ISC. Um, so it's good that they're going to pay that off, uh, you know, make it a more, you know, get that debt load down a bit. It's still a privately held organization NASCAR is and probably will be for the foreseeable future. Um, I just think it it's, you know, one of those situations where, um, you know, NASCAR is, is trying to do what they can to reduce the debt load. And I just think it was one of those situations where their land was worth more than, than what was getting, rev, you know, what revenue was being generated on the property. So, um, and it was multiple times that, so I think NASCAR did the prudent thing. I I'm like a lot of fans. I don't really know if I want to buy that NASCAR is going to totally do the, the short track renov uh, renovation. Uh, I'll believe it when it's announced and when it actually happens, but we'll see. Um, it's sad to be losing a track like, like auto club. Cause I think it was unique at being a two mile racetrack. Obviously it's sister track is Michigan international speedway, but, um, you know, it's just, it's really sad that you have um, a place like that go. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that enjoyed going out there. I personally had never been, but um, I know a lot of people that are sad to see it, see it go. So um, that is what it is. But uh, hopefully we'll hear something. I, I heard 
through the grapevine that possibly Phoenix will announce it uh, formally, uh, you know, confirm the short track and all that stuff. So we'll see what happens. But um, that's really it for this episode of the Coochie's Corner Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed everything. Not really, you know, getting into too much stuff just because don't have a lot of time today, unfortunately. But I wanted to get a podcast out there. I didn't want you guys to think I was blowing everybody off. Um, you know, just been busy the last couple of weeks. You know, we had some snow and just all kinds of craziness going on. So uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will catch you guys hopefully next week. Uh, we'll recap everything that happens out in Las Vegas. We have Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup out there. So we'll have a lot to break down next week. And you never know, we might have some silly season news coming up too. So um, thanks thanks again for tuning in and listening. And for all the support, you can check us out uh, on all of our social, which will roll right at the end of me talking here. So uh, have a great day. Have a great week. And enjoy the races out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Thanks for listening to the Crew Chief's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media. Facebook at the Crew Chief. On Twitter at the Crew Chief. Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner. TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And on the Anchor app and anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.